Hey guys, welcome to the I Hope You Hear This podcast. And today, I hope you hear this conversation with Joe Song. If only, those are the things I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you. She's about no one's allowed to hear about my heart. <laughs> oh. I've given it to her. Oh. It's actually not even here. Okay, she has it. It's, that... <laughs> it's with her at work in her bag. Okay, so you can't even ask about it because. It's, it's okay. We don't uh, need to have it here. We yeah. can, you can just talk on it. All right. Well, we'll see. <laughs> All right. Well, hey guys, welcome to the I Hope to Hear This podcast. And I, yeah, I started recording a little bit into your whole uh, rant about your heart. But um, welcome to the I Hope to Hear This podcast. And today I have Pastor Joe Song with me. Welcome. Hello. <laughs> Hello, internet. Thank you for uh, coming kind of last. I asked you kind of last minute. Um, you were in the city. You drove here, so I really appreciate. Well, I mean, you asked me last week. Last week, yeah. So this right. is not last minute at yeah, all. Yeah. I was very responsible. Yeah, you, you forgot. I about forgot. <laughs> I didn't put it on my calendar. No, no, but no, I really do appreciate you because, um, yeah, I would have been fine with you rescheduling. Um, but no, man, I fun. yeah. Well, I told, I said, you know, I mean, it's in, it was inconvenient, but it was my fault, mm. and I wanted to honor you know, the promise yeah. that I made. So, you know, but, um, I'm kind of glad that that happened because I think it does speak about your character that um, I forget no. <laughs> things and don't put things on my schedule <laughs> that too, but completely forget <laughs> appointments, but you're, you, you, you have this like principle of honoring people's times and commitments and things like that. So I, I've seen you do it multiple times. Um, you actually got me to start working out and for like a good, was it like a two month stretch? We worked out together almost every day, every, every weekday. Right. Yeah. Do you remember that? Oh yeah. No, that's, it's <laughs> a good way to, it's a casual flex. <laughs> like, Hey, yeah, you know, we work out all the time. No, but, but, um, I don't know if your listeners can, they can't see us, but we're massive. If we, our uh, arms, if we flex our arms, that's maybe right. they can hear it. No, but I, I was actually before that, um, well into my thirties. Well, not well into my thirties, but in my 30 years, no, you, years of you're life. You're barely 30. <laughs> in my, the 30 years of my life, I actually never really worked out. Um, I, I did like gym classes in, in high school, but I, the first time I actually worked out in the gym was when I went with you. Really? The first time you took me. Yeah. What was your mile time when you in gym? Do you guys run the mile? Uh, see, I don't even know if I did or not. I mean, that was something we did up north in Chicago, like... We like in gym, they would, they would time your mile. They, they didn't do that. So I grew up, uh, until sixth grade, I grew up in LA. Oh, really? Um, and we didn't do anything like that in LA. You, okay. Did we do it? I'm pretty we, sure we didn't. What'd do you guys do in LA? Just to acting classes no, or something? We, we had, uh, earthquake drills. Oh, <laughs> we right. ran outside. Okay. Uh, ran away from seagulls cause they would always tend to poop on us. Really? Recess. Huh. Yeah. Fun stuff like that. Recess. Yeah. Do, I, do I they do they do recess anymore in like school? That was because in middle school here in Georgia they don't do recess. In what middle do, school, what do in they? LA did we did do recess? Yeah, what do they do then? Study, I guess. Man, useless. <laughs> what a time to be alive! Yeah. Sucks to be you, kids. No uh, recess. Um. So yeah, that, that, we're, we'll get a little bit more into a detail about those things um, as we talk, but I, I feel like you have... Oh, we're, we're talking about working out? Yeah. Is that what you want to talk about? No, we can talk about that later, though, because I, I kind of want to trace your life from the beginning. Okay. 
Yeah. Not talking about getting huge. No, <laughs> not yet. Not yet. We'll, we'll, we'll get to it. You know, podcasting is interesting. Like, why? why do you th- I feel like the reason why people like listening to podcasts uh-huh. is it makes you feel like you have friends. Does it? I don't, cause like, you don't, mm-hmm. you know, like it's like you, you're there in a conversation mm-hmm. that people are having and you get to kind of just be there. Yeah. You know, no. cause I mean, you listen to podcasts with, for the personality yeah. of the people more than like information. It's I true. feel like. Yeah. So it's like, it's just, it's like you're sitting in on a conversation with friends and it makes you feel like you have friends. And the good thing about this podcast is listeners can actually reach out and I'll, I'll reach out back to them. Like I've met people through this podcast because they, they were listeners and I've met them in real life. Really? Yeah. Actually, um, some of them go to your church. What? Yeah. Uh, so you, you are a pastor at, or English ministry pastor at Han Vision Church, right? I told you my professional life is strictly off limits <laughs> to talk about. Yeah, but I'm going to, sorry, that's one of the main things we're going to talk okay, about. I'll, I'll, I will answer, but you must edit all of that out. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You have my word, I guess. <laughs> um, so you, you're your pastor, but pre-pastor life, you, you lived in Chicago, right? You alluded to it a little bit. You grew up up north. Yeah, yeah. Born and, born and raised in Chicago. I mean, I guess the suburbs of Chicago. Mm. I mean, most people who say they're from Chicago are just from the suburbs. Yeah. Well, no. it's not like that here, too. I say, I tell people I'm from Atlanta. Right. From right. Swanee. Yeah. yeah, I'm from the suburbs yeah. of Chicago. What, which suburbs was it? Uh, I mean, I moved around a lot. Um, my dad, um, yeah, I don't know what, what the deal was because I was little, but we mm. every year we would move. Mm-hmm. And so I think we... I was born kind of on the south side of Chicago, like suburbs, and then slowly just would move our way up north hmm. by like, eventually we would get to like Northbrook, Schaumburg area, which is like where all the Asians are now. I guess it would be like the equivalent of like what Duluth is here. Interesting. Like okay. the suburbs where there's a lot of like Asians and, you know, Koreans hmm. and stuff. So, And what, your dad was also a pastor, right? Yeah. yeah. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yep. Did you guys move around because he was pastoring different churches or do you know? Yeah, I think, I don't know. I was mm. too young to remember. Mm. But I mean, he eventually like started his own little church and mm. now, you know, he's been there for like 30 years or something. Oh, is he still pastoring? Yeah, he's still, he's, he's about to retire. Oh, wow. He's counting down the days so he can golf, relax till he sees Jesus again. <laughs> but, yeah. That's awesome. So growing up in Chicago, so just from knowing you, I've heard a lot of interesting stories about you. From who? Um, from you and from your wife. Oh, and, okay. And from uh, our, during our board game nights and all that. Mm. Um, one of the things I, I found interesting is you've been hit, uh, you've had head-on collisions. Well, it's not a head-on collision if you're not driving, right? So you were biking or skateboarding and you've been hit by a car. Oh yeah, I've been hit by several cars. Like multiple in, occasions in, in right? my life. Yes. How does how does that happen? Is that normal in Chicago? Does that just happen? Uh, I don't Chicago? know if it's normal. I like I feel like I I'm a, I'm kind of reckless <laughs> with my life. When I was younger, I had this I mean, I think of a lot of younger people that you think you're invincible, mm. right? You just think and then I like when I was young, like I be like I I also I guess with bad theology. Mm-hmm. Um it's a bad combination. You know, like oh. when I was young, I'm just like, well, you know, if, if God's in control of everything and he doesn't want me to die yet, that means I can't die. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. So I would do like really reckless things. Like mm. I would jump off of cliffs trying to do double backflips into like a, a moving river. Wow. You know, things like that. Thinking like, I think about it now and I'm like, that's completely insane. Like yeah. I could have snapped my neck. Like, you know, I could have done, I could have par- gotten parallel. I did so many reckless things. 
genuinely believing that like because god if you know if he's sovereign over everything mm-hmm. and like my like if i'm gonna die like i'm gonna die anyways but if he doesn't want me to die i literally cannot die mm. you know what i'm saying right so do you as it, a pastor now do you tell your congregation that that's not true I, like do you well i you know now it's like well you might not die but you can be injured mm. and horribly like you know go right. through like a lot of <laughs> you can be paralyzed, paralyzed for the rest of life right right, right. Yeah, i think that was something i didn't you know consider so um a few other things i know about you you, you were a boxer you did boxing right yeah and you had a motorcycle that uh-huh. you were, were those part of your kind of reckless i guess so i mean i think i always kind of had like a a reckless sort of side i think i just like adrenaline Mm. i think for me it's like if it's not exciting unless it's sort of dangerous interesting you know like um like roller coasters i mean they're fun but they weren't that exciting for me because i'm like why are we waiting in line like there's no danger right like it's just not it's not a dangerous thing like Mm. this wouldn't be a business like you know people doing this if this was actually dangerous right like the thought that there's not real danger behind it like took away from the fun of things mm. i guess hmm. so what what made you uh stop boxing because as far as i know you don't really box anymore no i it was it was at, i think it's mostly time mm. time and money because like even when you box you have to pay for the training right, right. i mean no one's paying you to box you have to pay <laughs> trainers not and, until you get good right <laughs> i mean you know and so yeah, i think like when i was in sem like i let me see how did i get into it should I talk about how yeah, I got yes, into yes. it? Because yeah. it's a random thing to get into, I guess. No, it's great. Um, I guess in high school, my first experience like was was like you know just in friends' basement. Mm-hmm. I had like these friends, and we were in the basement. Had some boxing gloves, and then we just would beat the heck out of each other. We just fight. We just yeah. fight like with no gear or anything, just with gloves. We just start fighting each other, uh-huh. and um, it was thrilling. I don't. I thought it was fun. Uh. Um, so that was like my first taste of just getting punched in the face mm. and like punching others. I like I was like this is fun. And I remember in undergrad in college my freshman year um I feel like I was living in the freshman dorms mm-hmm. and I had this thought like I was I don't know I was like really like excited for Jesus at the time. I'm not that I'm not excited mm-hmm. for Jesus, but like in a more you know, I don't know, reckless sort of way, right. I guess. So mm-hmm. I was like I was like like you know we had a bunch of christian friends who like hung out we did christiany things like we'd like gather and read our bibles or whatever you know like mm-hmm. so we had these christian friends but i was like hey man like how come we never hang out with like you know if we just hang out with each other that's not very like loving and we're not being very open to the people that are living all around us like we should do we should hang out more with like other people yeah outside of our friend circles and you know with people who don't believe in what we believe and um so i was just like well uh, and then I remember I was at like a sports smart. That's like a sports store up mm-hmm. in Chicago and they were having the sale and these boxing gloves were on sale. And I was like, Oh, so I bought two pairs. I brought it back to the dorms. And then I just started knocking on people's doors just down the hallway. I'm like, Hey, anyone want to like come to the lounge? Like we're going to have a fight club. <laughs> and, uh, and then like a bunch of guys, like just random dudes from the hallway, like showed up. Wow. And then I was just on the spot. I was like, all right, guys, well, welcome to Christian Fight Club. And um, I, I, I said these were I'm like, this is a Christian Fight Club. So it means that we, you know, there's no swearing. Uh-huh. Uh, if I see that people start getting really 
angry i'm gonna stop the fight but uh-huh. the other rule is everybody has to fight wow like you can't just show up to spectate like you have to participate like be willing to fight and uh i think part of it was also because i wanted to like at the like I, I was really tired of the stereotype that being a christian kind of meant that you were like like a wuss uh, you know yeah. like you know yeah, like yeah. christians are just these pansy men like just you know like and, and to me like I, I was like you know like faith doesn't mean that you're not like it, it doesn't mean that you, you don't have fun it doesn't right. like if, to me i was just like there's so much freedom in in faith like it's it's like as long as it's not a sin you can everything is like is that your is it was okay mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. everything else is fine there's a few things that yeah like are not good for you anyways but then outside of that there's like so much freedom that we can enjoy um and i think that i kind of took that to the extreme <laughs> and i was just like yeah like yeah like we could be you know we could beat each other up and like that's fine as long as we're not doing it out of anger we're doing it for fun like yeah. um i didn't consider how dangerous it was what we were doing because like yeah so like every wednesday night like we would have these i call it cfc mm-hmm. christian, christian fight club <laughs> and i also like i made everyone pray before each fight <laughs> even though these guys like didn't even like they weren't even they you know half most of the guys like were believers uh, or whatever but how many were there uh i mean every night was different like it it steadily kept growing every week uh-huh um, they would be like, oh, there's this fight club happening on the west side um, of UIC. That's, that's that's our university. But like, uh-huh. yeah, we were just in the study lounge. We converted it into like this fight circle. Uh-huh. And um, and the thing was like, I, because I was kind of the one who started it, like I felt like I had a fight every time someone didn't want to fight somebody. Oh, so wow. like there was someone's like, okay, it's his turn. Like who, and like the way we do it was like, okay, now who wants to fight him? Uh-huh. Right. And we just take volunteers. And whenever no one wanted to fight someone, I was always the default guy. So I would have to, I would fight like four or five times a night. Wow. And, um, yeah. And I mean, so I'm, I'm like, you know, I think it was like, but, maybe, but were there no like RNs or anybody like trying to stop this from happening? How did you guys keep it going? <clears throat> well, I mean, eventually we had to stop it. Oh, because, because authorities stepped in. It just started getting out of hand. Like people started showing up from other schools Oh, wow. Uh, outside, yeah, like just, um, like it, it started, it started turning into like the circus, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Where like, like all these pe- guys would show up from other places and like girls would start showing up. And then once that started happening, yeah. like it, it was like, you know, for me, it was just like, I just wanted a fun way for guys to get to know each other for, you know, like us to kind of, you know, for me to share my faith and also have fun and mm-hmm. get to know some other guys. And, you know, it, it wasn't about like this, like, we want to show off in front of people and turn it into the spectacle. Right. Um, but once that started happening, it like got out of hand and I had to shut it down, you know? <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, so was this on the heels of the movie fight club that inspired this? Um, and the fight club came out like lo- many years before that. Uh, but I mean, that's, I love that movie. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like Classic. I'm, I'm sure that was in my psyche, uh-huh. you know, as a young man, as <laughs> was, it was probably in most guys hearts you uh-huh. know brad pitt you know and edward norton you know right fighting each other so so was this while you were doing this were you like paying to have like doing no actual... this no i have not this was before i did any training okay this was just literally we would just beat each other up and it was just all instinct uh-huh. and i think the only thing I, I i don't think i was any good the only thing i had going for me at the time was i wasn't afraid to get hit mm. and so like the thing that freaked people out was like i think i could take a lot of punishment and so guys would wow. punch me in the face and then I would just start laughing <laughs> because for me, I was just like, 
now I feel I felt like now I had permission to hit you back because you hit me really hard. Yeah, you know I would always pull back because I kind of felt bad at hitting people. Uh-huh. But then now if you hit me, like I can now hit you wow. as hard as I can. So you know? from after you shut that down, how how long did it take you before you decided you want like formal training and? Well, I mean, so all throughout undergrad, honestly, we kind of did little iterations of that fight club. Like it kept popping up. Uh-huh. Like we just moved it because. Uh-huh. We just do it uh-huh. from time to time uh-huh. whenever I had the need to, to fight, want to fight somebody, <laughs> uh-huh. you know? Uh, yeah, no, it wasn't, in, I didn't get into uh, my third year of college. I went to Korea for uh, study abroad for a year mm-hmm. at, at Yonsei-de um, and uh, at Yonsei University. Sorry. Right. And, and yeah. um, they had a, uh, they had a boxing team there. So I joined that. And so I think that's probably where I had my first like actual training, like right. part of a part of a team in a in a gym. Um, yeah, so I, I learned a little bit there, and trained for about a semester, and then it wasn't until I got to seminary where I started training at an actual like gym in the states. Oh wow! So yeah. that that was in Georgia then, right? Because you, uh-huh. yeah, the Decatur Boxing Club with, the, with Xavier Biggs. Oh, he was the yeah. Do you still occasionally have these fight clubs? That- uh, <laughs> no i don't not anymore not anymore okay yeah wow so and then you you just just decided as you got older that you didn't have enough time and yeah i mean resources yeah i just didn't i mean like i think i you know kind of got i got to i got to fight in two amateur fights wow. um and like that, formal yeah like it was like it was more of a um, there's these things called the atlanta corporate fight night mm-hmm. um which terry moss she's um she's like an ex like world champion like women's like fighter she was a promoter she came up with this like uh corporate fight night where basically like they took uh like normal working people who worked in like corporate world or pe- basically people with no real boxing experience uh-huh. and they would get sponsors people would sponsor them and then they would those sponsors would pay for their training and then for like six months or something they would train seriously like real boxers uh-huh. and then it, all the proceeds would be like heading towards this one fight night where they would go towards these charities. Interesting. And so it was like a real amateur. It was like, you know, like there was like judges. Right. You had to get, you know. So you you had like points and things like that. Yeah, yeah. So it was like this like, you know, big, like this little event. But it was mainly for charity. But Uh it was really fun because for anyone who wanted to try like real boxing, like this was cool because like you knew that the people that you were fighting has the exact same amount of experience as you. Right. Like this was like, so you knew that someone, you didn't know who you were fighting, but like you knew somewhere out there in the world someone was training to f- to destroy you yeah. <laughs> so that would be like your motivation like every morning you'd wake up and you'd be like i don't want to go to the gym today i don't want to go run today but then you're like but someone out there at this moment is training to destroy you wow and if i don't do it like i'm gonna lose you know what i'm saying <laughs> yeah. and so like yeah. you would get out there and you'd freaking go and run uh-huh. or like get to the gym and fight you know like like hit the bags and you know yeah wow it's exciting so like i did two of those I did one, um, and then, like, you know, that was pretty exciting. Uh, and I was actually going to propose to my then-girlfriend after my... F- my plan was to to win, uh-huh. right, be victorious, knock the guy out, and then, like, have my, like, my girlfriend there. I was going to have her fly from Chicago to come to Atlanta to, like, be part of the audience. Uh-huh. And then, like, you know, they give you the mic to, like, say something, like, uh-huh. at, after your fight. And I was going to be like, you know, I was going to like propose wow. like there. That was like the ultimate man's yeah. dream, right? Like, yeah. I, you know, like win the fight, get the girl. 
And then, um, yeah, but didn't happen. Why? Because uh, she went on vacation with oh. her girlfriends that weekend. Oh no! Did and, you at least win the fight though? Yeah, no, I won the fight. Wow! So I was gonna, I was gonna ask her. Like I asked her, I'm like, I'm like, hey Grace, like you know, like it would mean a lot to me if you came to my fight. Yeah, you know, I've been training for this. You know, like my mom, my sister, and her son, they were like flying in and stuff. Uh-huh. So I was like, you should come and. She's like, yeah, like maybe. And then she's like, oh no, I'm going to LA with my friends and my like, girlfriends. And I was like, oh, okay. all right. You know, <laughs> like I had this whole plan. Like I sold, you know, I sold my motorcycle that by the ring at the time and she didn't come. Uh-huh. So I just took that money and bought another motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, it's not like you were like, okay, I'll, I'll plan it another time. Yeah. Later. I was like, well, it's not, you know, oh. I missed, you know, this is not going to happen. So, I mean, what am I going to do with this pile of money? <laughs> You know, like okay. I'm not going to pro- like, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm not going to propose now. I have to wait for another opportunity to mm-hmm. do it. And mm-hmm. then who knows, that could be several months from now or I'm not just going to let this money sit around sit and do around. nothing. I'm going to literally ride it around <laughs> until the last possible moment. Uh-huh. And then I'll like, you know, sell it again. So and, how did you end up proposing? Uh, I saw so I ended up um, I ended up during my finals like week mm-hmm. of seminary. So I took my finals early, mm-hmm. so I can tell Grace that I was in the middle of finals. So uh, she's in her mind, I'm in, I'm in final, I'm doing finals, right? Right, and so like I took them early so that I could, you know, go to go. I flew back up to Chicago on finals week, and then uh, I basically showed up at her work. She worked at Chicago Public Schools and downtown, like their headquarters, which mm-hmm. is like this big corporate building. She was like working at the top floor and they have like tons of security because it's like this government building. And so like no one can get in. Yeah. Uh, so I remember like I had to like get her boss's phone number to try to like get me access to get into this government building. Wow. So I can go propose to her like in her like cubicle. Uh-huh. Um, but it was like it was difficult because uh, the only access I had to her boss's phone number was on her cell phone at the time. Right. Uh, which only Grace had on her phone. So I had to tell her brother, her younger brother, to sneak into Grace's room at night and to steal her phone (laughs) and to, like, find her boss's number and then, like, get that number to me so I can call him so I can get access to this building so I can, like, sneak in there, like, while she was working. So it was, like, this whole, like, elaborate sort of thing. Uh And so I remember, like, her brother, like, snuck into a room and then he calls me and he's like, her phone is like under her pillow. <laughs> and I'm like, you gotta get it, man. You gotta get that number or else it's not, not gonna work. Yeah. And so I remember he like, he was like getting it and she like woke up and she's like, uh-huh. what are you doing? And he's like, oh, nothing. And he like ran away. Like it was like <laughs> several attempts, but we finally got it. And then I flew, I flew over to Chicago with the ring, you know, all ready to go. And then uh, it, to needlessly complicate the situation, mm-hmm. I also brought. I also acquired a a white friend, okay, to dress up like a FedEx FedEx guy, okay, and then he came with me, and then he like put the ring inside of a FedEx like box box or whatever, and then he like went up to her cubicle and was like, "Oh, we have a like a package for you. Um, it's like urgent. We need you to sign it or whatever." Uh-huh. And then she like looked at it, and then she and then she was like, "Just put it back on her desk." <laughs> Without opening it? Without opening it. And I was like <laughs> like hiding behind the other cubicle, like all dressed up, like uh-huh. ready to receive, you know, do the proposal. Yeah. And um, and then the guy was like, 
that key was kind of like it seemed urgent um you should probably open (laughs) (laughs) and she's like okay thank you and then he like walked away Uh and then she finally got to she opened it and the the ring box was inside Uh and then like i show up and she's like what are you doing here i'm like and then i proposed and then she like didn't say yes because she was kind of shocked you know and i'm like you have to say yes (laughs) i like had to coach her like you must say the words or it's not real you know and oh really you know when i proposed to shirley she never verbally confirmed anything oh then it's, it's not, not it's real. not real it's all fake yeah you guys are, are you guys even married <laughs> <laughs> like did she agree to any of this <laughs> you just went we just assumed you're right she said yes oh, i had to tell i'm like you have to say yes <laughs> right you know she like she, she nodded but she didn't say it and i'm like if you don't say it it's like not a real thing oh. so wow so you sold your bike uh-huh you bought a ring yeah and that first proposal didn't work out so you sold the ring and you bought a different oh, no, no, bike no no, no. I, I didn't buy i sold the bike the first time uh-huh. but i didn't buy the ring yet oh okay okay i had the money uh-huh. to buy it but mm-hmm. then like once i realized she wasn't coming i was like well then i'm not gonna buy it wow you know hey can you give me one moment yeah sorry Right, sorry about that. We are back. But so you, you were explaining, talking about how you sold the bike the first time. Uh-huh. You had this pile of cash and you decided, oh, the, the proposal is not going to work out. So I'm going to buy a different bike. Yeah. So, I mean, didn't you end up losing money because of that, though? Cause no, of the actually, every, no, every time I bought and sold my motorcycles, I actually sold it for more than I bought it. Wow. Yeah, motorcycles actually really do well. They keep their value. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I think... I mean, as long as you're a little patient uh-huh. with it, I think usually you can yeah, turn a profit on a lot of these used bikes. Oh, wow. Because, you know, I mean, because you buy them used, mm-hmm. and so they're significantly less than new. But then, like, yeah, depend, you know, it just depends on, like, supply and demand, mm. I guess. And so... And th- this was in Georgia, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, this wow. was all in Georgia. And, you know, as long as you're, like, not afraid of Craigslist and, yeah. you know, ah, risk, risk your life every time. <laughs> I see. You know? It was that uh, reckless streak in you. I mean, I, I, I've literally bought every single vehicle I've ever owned on Craigslist. I think I bought like five or six cars. Wow. Even the cars you're driving now, the Mazdas? Yeah. Well, no. Okay. Grace's car mm-hmm. was the first car we ever bought, like used at a dealership. Mm-hmm. But like all of my personal cars, like I bought all on Craigslist. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's that. I guess that Asian in me, I like don't want to pay, you know, <laughs> money for anything. So, so you guys get, you guys get engaged. Um, you're still here in Georgia, but Grace doesn't immediately move down to Georgia, right? No. So we're engaged. She's in Chicago. I'm in Georgia. Cause you know, we were long distance our entire relationship. Right. So like, you know, when I, I asked her out right before I moved to Georgia. Oh, so like maybe a month before, <laughs> like I, I, I asked her out uh-huh. and then. I'm like, goodbye. <laughs> you know, I asked her out and then she said yes. And I'm like, okay, now I'm going to move to Georgia forever. Wow. You know? And uh-huh. so three years of dating long distance. Um, yeah. So like, you know, then finally proposed cause I was mm. finishing seminary. And then, uh, yeah, and then I think we were engaged for a little less than a year. Mm-hmm. And so during that year, she's, you know, over in Chicago planning everything. And then I'm over in, you know, Georgia doing whatever it is. Cause you I were do. pastoring youth group right after right yeah was that true? yeah no yeah i was youth pastoring yeah. this whole time so with grace did you guys have your wedding in chicago mm-hmm. and yeah did you do anything in georgia or no we no. didn't do anything in georgia because mm. our, our 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 whole world was over in chicago like right. our friends and family and everything and hmm. so, yeah, so so, so I, I flew over there to get married and then i brought her back oh huh. 
you know, I, I also heard a few interesting things about you as a youth pastor. Oh, okay. I didn't know you at the time. I, well, we met, what, like three, is it three years ago? Two years ago? Three I years ago? Yeah, I don't know. How, wait, how old is Elizabeth? She is going to turn four this weekend. Because we met before she was ever a thing. Like oh, a, ever. <laughs> she, she's still not a thing. <laughs> she's a person. Yeah, right. She, we met before she was even, like, you guys were completely kidless. You guys are married, living in like Decatur somewhere. Yeah, that's right. true. So is that is that where we met? Did yeah. we meet at servant the yeah the I, servants network nights? Yeah, yeah. Well, we talk like when you were first talking, talking about servants network is oh, when we met. Oh, yeah. interesting. Well, so well, yeah, so it's been, I guess it's been over. It's been four years then. Well, well, more than four years. Yeah. So before this time, when I, before I met you, you were doing other stuff um youth pastoring. yes i did have a life before <laughs> you before. david <laughs> yes free david i know it's hard to believe <laughs> but as a youth pastor um one interesting thing that that i heard um that probably wouldn't fly anymore i don't know how you got away with it but apparently maybe you I, a... maybe i haven't gotten away with it oh yeah, yeah who knows it, it was the lockout night okay so if you guys don't go to church and, and most Christian churches, we have this thing called a lock-in, where it's kind of like a sleepover at church, where we, you know, play a lot of games, we praise, we worship, all that. But right, it's, it's more of like kids a social like make out with <laughs> other kids huh. in the corners of the church. That that's definitely not the intention, but I guess it's but. not. <laughs> it's just a unintended yeah, side effect. Yeah. No, it's just a side effect of cramming a bunch of hormonal mm. children in a building all night so was that your thought process because what i heard is you decided you're gonna turn things you're gonna change things shake up the establishment a little bit and instead of having a lock in you had a lock out okay well so at the time the tradition uh that was established of why we did that lock lock in Mm -hmm. Was that uh, they did this thing called thirty hour famine, mm-hmm. which was like the kids would raise money and then like not eat for thirty hours, and and basically to like you know raise money for something. Yeah, and I then, remember. That. And then yeah, and then they would uh, finish that fast or fam, you know, the famine, mm-hmm. the not eating uh, overnight, and then in the morning they would break, they would all eat together. They'd break the fast. Right. Right. And so, which is the origin of the word breakfast yes breaking yeah. the fast yeah yes uh-huh. and so that that's what they did every year this was something that they did before i even came as a youth pastor mm-hmm. and um i think that in the year and it was always to i think raise money for homelessness or something some something like that and so yeah. for me uh i was just like okay like if uh um what if we you know did the thing but instead of like sleeping inside comfortable like you know th- we're trying to help homelessness and so like i you know, how about we experience a little bit of the hardships of that? Mm-hmm. And so instead of sleeping inside, like, let's just sleep outside for a night. Like, let's all bring cardboard boxes from homes. And then, like, let's all just, like, make a little in our parking lot. <laughs> just make little <laughs> houses out of, you know, cardboard. Because, you know, I think um, a couple weeks before that, I had a friend of mine named Tommy Yi uh-huh. who was in seminary with me as well. And he's just, like, he's got, he's just got such a huge heart and, uh, you know, he, he did a lot, he had a big heart for, you know, people who are in need and he, he didn't just like show up to shoot soup kitchens. Like he literally, like he invested in relationships mm. with, uh, you know, people who are homeless in the city. And I remember one night, like I was just like, Hey, where are you going this weekend? And he's like, Oh, I'm going to go out. Um, I'm actually going to go sleep over, you know, he would actually go and 
spend like entire weekends or spend nights outside in the homeless communities, like sleeping with them. Wow. Um, uh, yeah, just like just getting to know them, yeah. just wanting to like really be with them, be where they are and kind of just kind of, yeah. And so I remember uh, um, one night going with him. I was just like, all right, yeah, let me go with you. Let me meet some of your friends and uh, going out there. And then we just slept out all night in just one of these, yeah, this random, like, I, I don't remember where we were in the city, but mm-hmm. like, I just remember we were under this giant Coca-Cola, like, sign interesting and it was just yeah like you just find these random little pockets where just there's just tents and like little shacks and things made out of all sorts of things that you just find all around and uh-huh. you, and it was a miserable night i was freezing <laughs> you know i was cold i was afraid yeah. all night yeah and uh tommy i just remember him just sleeping and everyone just going to sleep and i'm just like this is crazy i'm gonna <laughs> die out here but you know just being like man people actually live like this is the reality for some mm. people and like man, we're so lucky we get to, like, you know, the fact that we have a, a roof to go home to, you know, and right. and things like that. So, like, you know, in Marietta, like, where my youth group was, like, you know, kids, like, homelessness was just, yeah, it was, there, there was no frame of reference right. for it, mm-hmm. right? And I was just like, man, like, it's great that we're raising money for this, but, like, you know, I just want them to taste what it's like. Some of these kids never slept out. They've, ne- they've never even gone camping. Mm. And so to be like, you know, some people, this is their reality every day. Like, they can't, sleep they don't have a place to go to mm. sleep inside and i know you're gonna be miserable for a night but like let's just experience this for one night and and this is where the money that we raise is going to go to help to help people who this is their reality so okay. i guess that's kind of what the lockout was about right so, so you had how many kids were there um i don't think we had like like 60 or 70 kids well so 60 kids and you guys just went outside around your church building yeah in the parking in lot in the parking lot and cardboard boxes to yeah. just sleep on, on? Yeah, just we just set up this little shanty town of <laughs> cardboard boxes. Wow. And then they just slept out there. Well, did they, did they at least have a good time? Was it impactful, you think? Well, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it was impactful. Is I think all of them remember it. Mm, yeah. You know? And people still talk about it. Yeah, so. so I guess it left an impact. I don't know if it was positive <laughs> or negative. So then well, let me ask you about the backlash because um, I'm sure – with parents and maybe like the head pastor of the church, they might not have 100% agreed with the, with the method of going about doing this. Did you witness any of that or experience any of the, the I I honestly don't remember any. Oh, wow. Yeah. So no one cared either. They, maybe there was, maybe I just didn't remember. I I honestly like didn't consider that kind of stuff very much. I would, I would do things and then, ask for forgiveness later <laughs> yeah. like i wouldn't ask for permission i would uh-huh. just ask i'll just do it uh-huh. and my mentality was like the worst thing they could do is fire me right wow so and that's still i i'm still kind of like that so- <laughs> <laughs> like well i guess they could fire me that's the worst thing they could do yeah. oh wow so you it didn't really impact the the way that you do things or anything like that no wow yeah that's, and so well that's interesting would you ever consider doing that again or was that kind of a one-time only thing? I honestly, like for me, it's always about conviction, mm-hmm. right? Like if it felt like we're just doing it because we just did it before mm-hmm. and like there's no meaning behind it, then for me, it's like, then it's not worth doing. Mm-hmm. So at the time it felt like, at least for me, if like whether it was a good idea or not, like all of these, the crazy stupid ideas I feel like I've done in, in the past, mm-hmm. uh, like, you know, like I look back and I'm like, man, some of this stuff is really dumb or like that was really foolish or, you know, maybe it wasn't even the right thing to do. Mm. But like, I can tell you like, you know, at the time, like it was, gen- it was always birthed out of like a genuine like conviction right. of like, 
I really feel like this is the right thing to do. Um, I guess that's why people do anything, but (laughs) you know, at least I remember, you know, like I remember the feeling that genuine, like, you know, like I think this is the right thing to do right now Yeah. and just doing it. Oh. And like, I'll deal with the consequences later if there are any, (laughs) you know? Right. And so. Then speaking on conviction, I guess we can, this would be a good time to get back to the thing we talked about earlier with Servants Network. Because when I met you, you were not pastoring a church at the time. Okay. Um, and, and you were, you had this idea of, we didn't even have, you didn't even have a name for it at the time, but you just wanted uh, a, a place where people, um, leaders of the church can come and kind of network and encourage each other and, and things like that. So uh, did that come out of conviction or? Yeah, no, how did for that, sure. How did that find you in the place of time that you were, I guess the place in life that you were in at the time? I mean, actually, I mean, it, it wasn't just at that time. I think it was always with me um, for a really long time since mm-hmm. I was in high school because like, you know, we, my, you know, my dad is the pastor of a small church. So mm-hmm. I grew up going to my father's small church. And as a pastor's kid, like, you know, you don't have a choice where you go in the church. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> um, but then, you know, once faith became a real thing for me, right. It wasn't just, I just went, but it, it became mine. Uh, and then really serving the church became something that I, I started to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it was hard. It's especially when you're in a small church and you're serving and you don't have many people your age and uh, you get tired, you get burnt out. And um, I think like, look, thinking back at that time. So like, I think th- even how I came to faith, like our church was so small, we didn't, we couldn't do anything on our own. We couldn't go to retreats. We couldn't do any of these events. And then it wasn't until like a bunch of churches in Chicago got together to do a summer retreat. And then I tagged along another church that went to that. And that's where I got saved. For the first time in my life, I experienced like, yeah, like worship on on a big scale, on a bigger scale. Mm -hmm. Everything was in English, not in Korean. So I understood everything. We had like speakers who were Korean Americans who like spoke in English. Like this, this is stuff I never experienced. I always, um, and that's where I really like encountered God. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, and I was so thankful that these other churches like got together to put this on. And so all these little churches who didn't have the resources or the means to do something like this were able to come and to benefit from that. Mm. And, uh, and then, that, you know, that became a retreat that's been going on for uh, over 20 years now in Chicago wow. called, called JGen. And I think about over 115, 120 churches little Korean, like Korean American, Asian churches, Asian American Mm -hmm. churches gather still every year, um, to have these really incredible retreats, uh, that have, that's affected an entire like group of guys growing up. Mm -hmm. I know so many guys, like even my age, uh, who are in ministry now, because they are directly like, they're the fruit of that kind of gathering. Mm -hmm. And, and because of that gathering, there's like a network of church leaders from all different churches who like know each other, who are friends, mm. you know, they gather together and things like that. And I remember thinking like, man, that was, for me, even as like a, a, a kid growing up, being affected by that kind of stuff, and then me growing up serving the church, feeling like, man, I wish, like I, that, that kind of thing was so helpful for me. Um, I wanted, when I came to Atlanta, uh, I kind of expected there to be something like that too. Because mm-hmm. there's so many, there's, you know, there's so many, korean american churches here right there's hundreds of them there's like and so i i was like i just thought it was a given like of, of course there's got to be like a network of church leaders people doing stuff together 
because we're all you know it doesn't matter what denomination we are we're all we all have the same goal Mm -hmm. we all like love our students and want the same thing for them and uh just it seems like it would make sense that and so when i came here to be and i was youth pastoring for about four or five years i didn't i didn't see that right yeah it just felt like we were just all off doing our own thing everyone's struggling but we're all struggling alone right. <laughs> like in our own little corners dealing with the same stuff but uh yeah and, and then we see people burning out of the church people serve and then they have no support they have no um, community around them no encouragement mm. and so like you know people are serving because they out of a genuine love for their church people and, and the lord and and we're losing these guys yeah you know, because you can only do it by yourself for so long. We're not meant to do this alone. Yeah. And that's, and so, yeah, so for me, like at the time, like it was like, man, like I want to yeah, create a space where like we can find other like people who love and serve the church and like, you know, try to try to create some sort of community for them. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know, I didn't know what that looked like. I just felt like we needed to get together, like not to necessarily form a retreat, but to form friendships. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. I think that was always what we said. Like we always wanted it to be about relationships, not about events. And if it leads to an event, like that's fine, but that's like not the goal. Right. Right. Like, it's just like, yeah, we want to build friends mm. that, that, you know, we have a heart for the same thing. And so I think that's kind of, yeah, that's why we started gathering. That's yeah. why, you know, we started pulling people together and we just started hanging out. Yeah. I you mean, know? this started like what, five years ago. Yeah. Um, we, it would, we would like meet in your apartment. We would like worship, pray, and just talk about what's happening at yeah, each other's Complain churches. about our yeah. our problems. <laughs> yeah. So looking back with the benefit of hindsight, do you feel like um, your heart, what you kind of wanted to see come to fruition, have you gotten there or is it still a work in progress? Or Yeah, no, I think, in the, I mean, like, you know, we're friends. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, like relationships is what matters. Yeah. Right. And the fact that like, yeah, like friendships and relationships that weren't just natural, Mm. not just because we like the same, like we happen to have the same hobbies or our personalities match, but we have a heart for the same thing. We have a heart for the church. Right. And, um, yeah, I think, yeah, we have friendships now that are built on that. And I think it's, it's an, you know, I think it's going to make a bigger impact as we keep doing things together. Because what always surprises me is when we have Havens at your house. Um, so Havens is kind of the monthly gathering just to just to kind of hang out, kind of, you know, worship together, eat. Right. It's just, just it's a gathering for, for any church leader who wants to just come and not be a church leader yeah, yeah. together where we can just kind of let our hair down. Yeah, know, take off our leadership hats. Like don't have to be a pastor. Don't have to be a Bible study leader. We all just understand like we all... We're just regular people who need to just like relax, right? You know, yeah. yeah. And, and you have you've kind of created a great space for that at your house. So we meet up once a month, roughly once a month at your house, and you always provide amazing food. And what always surprises me is when I see people that come and no one really knows who they are, and they're like, "Hey, I heard that this is a gathering of these church leaders," and um, someone recommended it to me, so I'm here. And people who like people who've done that, who come like that, are now friends that you and I meet up with regularly. And I think that's, yeah, that's kind of what you wanted to see happen, right? Yeah, that, that was kind of the heart behind it, right? right? We just, I just want, I just wanted friends, <laughs> really, yeah. friends for me and for my wife. We we're just lonely. <laughs> we had no friends, and 
we needed to figure out a way to get friends. Yeah, so. but so um, jumping off of that um, into the more events part, well, not events, but the more retreat part of it. Oh, I don't really know. So you, you can uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but from from my vantage point and, and looking on it as kind of an outsider, it looks like the 17, 18 retreats that, that you guys are doing is kind of the... Um, kind of what you were describing with Jaijen in in Chicago. So is that kind of how that that got started, or how, how did the seventeen eighteen kind of retreats come about? Yeah, I mean, I think after you know a couple years of just friendships and tr- building trust among some of the pastors and servants that have been coming out to just servants network stuff over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just it, we're always just looking for ways we can help each other mm-hmm. in ways that like my thing is like I don't want to make more things that are going to make things more work for any of us. Right. Like it's got to be stuff that we are going to do. That's going to be helpful for everyone's churches and and is going to be less of a burden. And so like one thing that we all, you know, do as Korean American churches is like we do retreats mm. like summer and winter. And, uh, you know, they're like, so, I don't know, like for anyone who's had to put on a retreat, like they are so tiring. Yeah, like especially you to, if you're doing it by yourself. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah. Like you got to book places, you got to get speakers, you got to do schedules, you got, you know, just, just a million things you got to get done. Mm-hmm. And it's always during like the worst time of the year, just yeah. like on holiday times right. or whatever. And like everyone's like just maxed out and uh, you're just so dead after these things. I mean, they're yeah. great. I mean, they're really beneficial for the students, but they like destroy you. Yeah. And so I'm like, there's, I mean, we're we're all doing it and we're all doing it separately. Like Mm. we're all recreating the wheel over and over again. And I was just like, man, like, yeah, like why, why don't we just get together? Everyone just do one part and we'll just share. And like, and when more people gather, it's more exciting for everyone anyways. And like, we can get more quality, you know, we can better speakers, we can get whatever. And yeah, it's just like, it just, it just made sense that this Mm. would be one place where, um, yeah, where we it'd be something we have to do anyways, but it would be more fun and more meaningful for us to do it together. Hmm. And and like we already trust it, you know, it's like already people we trust, hmm. right? Friends and ministry friends that we now have grown to trust. We trust each other's hearts. We we're from different denominations, but we all we're not wondering about like, man, is this guy weird? Is this right. guy crazy? You know, like you know what? We all understand each other by this point, hmm. and so it was really easy to just get together and be like, yo, bring your group. You know, and like for a pastor, like you have to have a lot of trust in something to bring your people Mm. because, you know, these are like you care about the souls of the people that, you know, that you're kind of shepherding. Yeah. And like you wouldn't you don't want to just take them to anything because you don't know what. Yeah. Like what they're going to be teaching or what, you know, if they're crazy, you know, you don't know if they're theologically whatever. But because we have these, this deep trust that's been built over the years of just uh, hanging yeah. out, talking to each other, like getting to know each other, um, like we didn't have to build that trust. Yeah. We just had to throw in the logistics, which we all know how to do. We right. can do that in our sleep. And unfortunately, I think sometimes there are competitiveness amongst churches where some pastors worry that they'll lose certain like congregation members to different churches and things right. like that. So and with you guys all being friends, you guys don't really worry about that, right? Right. I mean, yeah. we try to send our people to each other's churches, <laughs> you know, like whenever newcomers come to my church, I always like be like, Hey, if you're looking around for church, I'm always recommending like all of y'all's churches. <laughs> I'm like, have you been to this church? Like, uh, have you been to th- that one down the road? And then like to the point where some of our leaders are like, you know, Pastor Joe, you need to stop like <laughs> telling people to go to other churches. Right. 
Because I'm, just, you know, for me, I'm just like, hey, we're all on the same team. <laughs> when know? we have uh, newcomers to our church, I'll say, hey, if you go to Heinvision, they have a espresso bar. The pastor will make you coffee. Yeah, and I'm like, <laughs> hey, do you want a pastor that will love you? Go to Sugarloaf. <laughs> like, Meet John. <laughs> yeah, he will. He's a pastor. <laughs> Uh, um, so yeah, okay. So seventeen, eighteen, was that something that you started, or was it kind of a collaborative thing? Or I feel like, I mean, I, I think I initiated. I was like, hey, mm-hmm. like you guys want it. The idea was like, hey, let's you guys want to try this together. Yeah. But you know, I, I think we all kind of everyone who's involved kind of started it together. Mm-hmm. And this coming winter will be the third year that it's happening, right? Uh, yeah, I think it's the third year. Is it fourth, third? I don't even know. Okay. So, Pro- and, yeah, I think the third year. So then how do you guys kind of handle new churches that kind of come out of the word work and say, hey, I hear you guys are doing this. Um, we are interested. I mean, we don't really have a, like a protocol. Mm. It's, I mean, I think it's, yeah, kind of, it's people who usually we bring people in by relationships, right? Mm. Like, so whoever's already involved, like if they know somebody be like oh they would you know this would be helpful for them or their church like they'll go and tell them mm. and then it's like hey like because of we trust the people who are already there and if you invited them like yeah then you know if you think they're fine then yeah like and if you think they're going to be a good fit for the culture that we're mm-hmm. we have here then yeah that's great and yeah. then we just let them come and uh, th- does it also happen the other way where leaders will come to servants network and then they'll kind of as they get to know you guys, learn about 1718 and then they'll right. be in their church. Does that happen like that as well? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think, I mean, there's a couple instances where there's like really small churches where like this just all Korean speaking uh-huh. and they have like one or two kids uh-huh. and they'll just be like, we need to, we just need somewhere to send our kids. Like, we'll let them come because mm-hmm. like, I'm at the end of the day, that's what it's for. It's for churches that are so small that they have nothing yeah. and they just need somewhere to go for it. They're handful of students and i'm mm. like that's what i really care about like because honestly some of the bigger churches like they can do it on their own mm-hmm. they don't need this but it's for these like really small churches that we don't even know about there's like hundreds out there mm. that have like these tiny little churches with uh, some students who are there and they're there because their parents are there and like they don't they can't go to a, they don't have a retreat to go to mm. and i want from one day, I'm hoping that 1718 will be made out of a majority of smaller churches. So mm. it doesn't look like there's one or two big, you know, there's not like big groups that you can even see. Yeah. Because yeah. it's made up of like so many just people or different people, not for the sake of numbers, but for the sake of like, and I want people to feel encouraged and being like, oh, like we're not the only ones like in this kind of situation, mm. you know? Wow. So just, I, I need to add this just in case. I don't know if this is realistic, but if there's someone out there listening to this and they're a leader of a really small church, is it okay for them to reach out to you to ask about this upcoming 1718 retreat or is yeah. the registration closed? Or? No, no, it's not closed. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, if, if you guys are listening and you're in the Atlanta area and you have a small, so the 1718 retreat is a youth focused retreat right it's for youth group from yeah. sixth grade to high school yeah. so if, if you have a youth group at your church and you guys don't do your own retreats please reach out to us um you can reach out to joe if you know who he is if you don't reach out to me i'll, I'll give you guys the email at the end so and i'll, I'll uh, relay the message and you can yeah come and join yeah it'll be fun i think this year is going to be really fun yeah and where, where is it this year uh it's going to be at the villa christina hyatt in at perimeter whoa yeah it's really nice sounds so fancy it is fancy (laughs) it's honest they gave us the best deal wow like it's it's even better than where we had it the first year 
at uh, Sonesta, right? Yeah. So, um, is it like near the Perimeter Mall? Yeah, it's area? by Perimeter Mall area. Wow. Okay. okay. Yeah, I've I've like officiated a wedding there. Wow. Like, it's like such a nice hotel that uh-huh. like people go there to have weddings. Oh wow. Yeah. So it's like super fancy. Hmm. Which yeah. is like is crazy because like when I was growing up, like we slept on the floor in like <laughs> freaking log cabins or yeah, something. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like one and, room would have like right. twelve people. Yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah, they'd yeah. be like, "You need to suffer for Christ," <laughs> and we'd be like, "I don't know if this is the kind of suffering <laughs> that they're talking about, but okay." Yeah. <laughs> you know, wow. yeah, yeah, we got like freaking four star hotels for these guys. Yeah. So, so yeah, if if you guys uh, are interested, please reach out. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit and. Because um, we, we've talked about kind of your pastor uh, identity and, and your pastoring yeah, world. But yeah, let's you, shift gears. Yeah. I don't want to talk about this anymore. <laughs> well, I, I think everything we're going to talk about is influenced by your faith. But I, I, it's just really interesting to, to I, me. I told you not the, to ask about my faith <laughs> before we started. I'm sorry. I, I am a rebel. Um, so one fascinating thing I know about you is that I don't know if you're still doing it now, but you had a stretch of time where you were refusing usage of smartphones uh-huh is that right yes so what was that about well i still i don't still don't use you a still smartphone. don't okay yeah why are you doing that um well i mean i think let's see it was about two years ago like i mean i think i always have this i have a love-hate relationship with technology mm. like I, I love technology and then i also hate <laughs> technology uh-huh. you know like i think uh in college i was just yeah i started using a macbook mm-hmm. like macbook pro back then it was a uh, was it not a MacBook Pro? A PowerBook. It was called a PowerBook oh, yeah, back uh-huh. then. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's where I first got into like video editing and all of that stuff. And like that tool like unlocked all this creativity that I didn't know I had it within me, mm-hmm. you know? It kind of like enabled me to like learn a lot about myself and explore a lot of those areas and, and the videography, photography. And that, that kind of led into opening up a lot of different avenues for creativity that I feel like. I always just kind of ignored mm. most of my life. Hey, let me just interject. I completely forgot about this, but you're an amazing photographer and videographer. Um, uh, I yeah, I don't know if I'd say amazing. I but, think you're amazing. Okay, thanks. The video that you did for Softy, I think, is still the video that we use or surely uses for promotional. Oh, that's uh, great. Yeah, it's oh, really I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, yeah. So sorry, keep continuing. I cut you off, but um, but yeah. Anyway, so like since then, like I was always enamored with technology, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Um. And, uh, but you know, I always wanted to be like my whole life. I want everything to be synced up digital, you know, like everything, technology, everything. I want to be like at the four, I'm like an early adopter and Mm -hmm. I like want to get all the gadgets. And, uh, yeah, I came to a point where it started to not become a tool, but it started to like run my life, Mm. you know, it started to like just take over instead of enhancing and being things that would make life better. Mm. It started to, yeah, I don't know, like try to replace reality with interesting i don't know it just uh, like uh, certainly i'm not paying attention to people i'm paying attention to their feeds i'm you know just like always staring at this little tiny screen and uh yeah just i don't know i was just like i was losing i was losing moments of real life to a screen Hmm. and i just had this realization like we live up most of at least for me like I, i spend most of my working hours staring at a screen Right. And a lot of us do mm-hmm. like staring at some sort of glowing screen. And then we go home and then we sit at home and we stare at an even bigger screen. <laughs> and then like and then before we go to bed and bit, right when we wake up, we in between those times, we stare at these tiny handheld screens. Mm-hmm. And like most of our life is staring. We're not experiencing life 
with our actual eyeballs, but we're staring it through, you know, these devices. Yeah. And like something about that was like, didn't sit well with me. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I just found myself become, being so distracted, not being able to like be present with actual people. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, like we'll sit there, like you sit there having a, a conversation or a meal with someone. And then like half the time someone, or even I, I found myself like checking, you know, like I would hear my phone go off or like a, a notification or text. And then like, what am I going to do? Am I paying attention to the person who's physically with me? Or I have this insane need to check this message from someone who's not even here. Right. Right. I mean, it's crazy. Cause even when you're driving, it's like, do I drive and be safe? Or do I like, you hear that message and you feel like I need to risk my life <laughs> and the lives of everyone in the around me uh-huh. to check this notification right now. It's right. like, it's so crazy how like, I don't know. So it just, it seemed really strange to me, like what was happening to me with technology mm-hmm. and like how I was losing moments with God, with people, moments to think, moments to meditate, to, to reflect. Um, yeah. To the point where I was like, and, and you know, and because I love taking pictures, mm-hmm. I realized, especially even after now I had kids, I, I had this thought like, man, I don't want my child, like them to grow up. And every time they do something, they look up and they don't see my eyes, but they see the back of my phone. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I want them to see me and yeah. I want to see them. Like I don't have to have pictures of everything they do. I want to actually be there. So I don't have to look back on it one day. I could just be there when it happens. Right. And so like, I think all of that, you know, um, was, was, you know, helped. And yeah, I guess kind of made me want to kind of ditch the smartphone mm. world and get a dumb phone. Yeah. And, uh, I'm sure there are drawbacks to that, right? Because I remember you telling me, like, the way that you you would get Ubers when you're out of town is you you would call your wife. Yeah. She'll take out her phone, order you an Uber, call you back, confirm that, you know, it's however many minutes away. Right. And things like that, right? Yeah. And you also talked about having to carry your laptop. Right. Trying to get free Wi-Fi. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And things like that. Yeah. So, I mean, it was definitely not, I didn't choose not having a smartphone out of convenience. Mm. Cause I mean, that's the argument for why you should get it. It's convenient. Yeah. Right. Like, uh-huh. man, like if you didn't have a smartphone in this world, like today, like, yeah, like your life is less convenient. Mm. Um, but th- to me, I'm like, if that's the price I have to pay to be more, at least for me, I'm not saying that for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Like for, I'm just a very distracted person, you know? And so, um, yeah, like if that's the price I have to pay to live and be more present, and for me, just to, yeah, spend more, to make my life more meaningful, mm. like that's the price I'm willing to pay, mm. you know? Wow. And so, yeah, and I, and I felt like the distractions were leading me into just sin, mm. like just idolizing things and sinful desires. Like, you know, just, you know, the the book of Ecclesiastes says the eye never gets tired of seeing and the ears never get tired of hearing. Like you, it's an endless stream of novelty and content that is getting just shot at your senses you know yeah but there's never it's never enough yeah like it'll never be enough but then you there's the empty promise that you need more Mm. you know and we keep checking and like i was addicted to the novelty like just whatever is new thinking if it's new it's better but none of it's actually new it's all the same stuff over and over and over there's nothing new under the sun Mm -hmm. right like Yeah. yeah it's just like you look at what you keep looking at every day and like it's nothing's new, mm. but you, it, it promises that it's new and that it'll fulfill you, but it doesn't. Like every time, like nothing makes me, like if I had a great day, right? And then I pick up 
I pick up like Instagram and I scroll through everyone's stories, I'm instantly less satisfied with my day. Right. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like if I just wanted to be less happy, I'm like, man, I'm so happy. <laughs> what can I do to make me instantly less happy? <laughs> I just have to look through everyone's story for that day. Mm -hmm. And instantly I'm suddenly like, man, I guess my day wasn't that great. Right, right. Like, why aren't I traveling? Like, why, you know, uh, how come my kids aren't, you know, like, well, how, like there's just so many things yeah. that I see that other people did in that moment. And 30 seconds into it, I'm like instantly, like all my happiness is, is gone. Mm. My, my envy has gone up. My discontentment is, is gone up. Yeah. Right. And so I'm like, why do I do this to myself? Like, I don't have to do this. And so... Oh, I guess that's why I signed off. Was that also because I remember you telling me at one point for your computer, you would, you had this program that would lock you out of, is it, it would lock you off the internet or something for a certain time block that you assign it. Right. Is that, was that also kind of the reason for that? Yeah. I mean, it was, it's because like for, I realized for at least for my work, mm -hmm. I don't have to be connected mm -hmm. all the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, I feel like most people don't, you know, and like in the things that I would miss, quote unquote, people have this, you know, the fear of missing out or whatever, yeah. if you're not connected to every little thing. Yeah. These are things that I actually realized like didn't matter if I missed. Mm. Like if there's any real emergencies, like people will call me. Yeah. You know, which yeah. my dumb phone can do, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. text me or call me, which is like more than enough. Like there's never an emergency email right. that I need to answer immediately. Mm. Right. Or if there's never an emergency Instagram post that needs to be seen. Right. Yeah. Right. Like if it's an emergency, someone that I care enough, you're close enough to my life where it matters to me. You like you have my phone number uh -huh. and you'll call me if it's urgent. You know, earlier in the year, I actually did an episode where um, I kind of rant about people who call me instead of texting me. I'm one of those people. <laughs> no, but the thing is, I, I did at the end give a disclaimer. If you don't use a smartphone, then I'm OK with you calling me because um. I remember <laughs> one time I, I was watching you trying to text on your dumb phone. Yeah. With like the buttons and having to use the T9. Most people don't even remember what that is, but you would like to type a word, you would have to type the the numbers that was associated with the letter like That's multiple right. times to get to it. After seeing that, I was like, okay, Joe gets a pass. You can, <laughs> Joe can call me whenever. Yeah, That's so, right. Yeah. I mean, you know, you just learn to be more efficient with your words, yeah. right? Like when someone <laughs> texts me something long, I will give you a one word answer back. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Wow. Like, yes, no. <laughs> so when, when I see that part of your life, um, you're striving for kind of streamlining and getting rid of distractions and things like that. I feel like that has something to do with your physical work, uh, physical activities as well, right? Because you, you don't box anymore, but you still work out regularly and you're training for a marathon, right? Your second marathon. As as are you. As, as So I hear. <laughs> But it's funny because whenever I do anything of uh, significance physically, it's rooted in you. You always somehow get me to do things that I would normally say no to. <laughs> <laughs> like the first time you ran a marathon, I was not ready for that marathon. But I said, okay. I don't think any of us were, man. <laughs> None of us should have been it. doing that. Yeah. <laughs> so like, is it was, that, a, is it was that, a huge mistake. Well, you did. What was your time? You did pretty well. I right? honestly don't remember. I, I was literally the second to last person to finish. Yeah, that I do the, remember. Before the time cut off. <laughs> yeah. Hey, but you did it, bro. <laughs> so that was, no, I, I give you props for doing that. Yeah, you shouldn't have been that. running that marathon because yeah. you weren't trained. You got injured. Yeah, yeah. And you like got through half, not even halfway through your training. Yep. Like you shouldn't have done it. I think the, the training I did, um, I got to where I could run 10 miles. 
Yeah. And I did that one time and that was it. Yeah, you basically trained for a half marathon yeah, and yeah, then yeah. you just went and ran a full <laughs> marathon and wow. you almost died. I did almost die. Yeah, I think you did die. No. <laughs> I, I think you're yeah, still out there somewhere. <laughs> I literally, this is the first time I've done this in my life. I literally just sat down on the pavement and looked toward the sky and said, I might just take a nap here because I can't, I do not have energy to keep walking. And what was that, like like 10 miles in? That was, no, no, no. Um, It was on the way back. So I think it was at mile 15. Wow. Yeah. Because I think I was okay. I, I couldn't run the whole thing um, to halfway, but I was okay. But right when, you know, you reach the end and you come back for the second half, that's when my knee really started hurting. Yeah. So that's I was crazy. limping and I was tired and it was that huge uphill that went on for like two miles. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was like just up a mountain yeah. for two three miles if yeah. it was the worst yeah but thing. i i uh i did it i made it through yeah, yeah. you ran like the what the marathon we did the red rock marathon mm-hmm. in vegas like near vegas is one of the it's one of the hardest ones in the country like in terms of like the <laughs> terrain and like the hills is yeah. crazy and you didn't know any so when we first decided to go you just said hey there's a marathon you looked up how long does it take for a normal person to prepare for a marathon? Right. right. I mean, no, I was I, I was in like the slump in life. Oh, okay. like I was in like the spiritual. Just I don't know. I was just feeling I don't know. I was, feel, I was just feeling down. Mm-hmm. You know, just about life. Like, what am I doing with my life? Like, mm-hmm. you know, am I doing anything? And I like yeah. I I was just feeling like unmotivated. Just didn't want to do anything. And so for me, I was just like, I just have to do something. Hmm. I just need to get out of this. And so for me. And I hated running, mm-hmm. like my whole life, like cardio and, and, and I, Cardi and I, has, we have not been friends, <laughs> yeah. you know, like I hate it. I'd always avoid it if I could. And, but I was just like, okay, like if, but I, for me, it's like, if I hate something, mm-hmm. the best thing to do is to face it. Mm. And so for me, I was just like, what is for someone who hates running? What's something I, what's the worst thing I could do? Run a marathon, you know? <laughs> I'm like, I'm just going to run this thing uh-huh. and uh, face it and just get over hating running. Because, I, you know, I can keep telling myself I'm not a runner my whole life or yeah. I can just get over it and just do it. Yeah. Because I think running is good for you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I know it, but I just didn't want to do it. So I just, so that it was a combination of like me, like feeling like, you know, I need to get out of the slump and I just need to face my fear. I'm not getting any younger. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm ever going to do this, like it might as well be now. Yeah. And so... Yeah, so I was just like, okay, I want to do this. And for me, I was like, I had no patience. So I'm like, when's the soonest I can possibly do a marathon? <laughs> uh-huh. And so I like Googled, what is the shortest amount of time that people recommend that you train for a marathon and physically it's possible from uh-huh. going from zero to marathon? And like people said like, you know, like four, like some sites said six months, some sites said four. So I'm like, four is sooner. So I just pick four. <laughs> and then I instant, and I just looked up marathons four months from that day uh-huh. and then it happened to be that one yeah and so i was like all right let's do that yeah and then i just signed up i remember you it was at jonathan Choi's wedding that you asked me i think and i said yes for some reason my wife was like are you sure and i said oh why? wait why did, yeah what i want to know is why <laughs> you said yes you know so there's something about you um i think that you say things in such a matter of fact fashion that when you say it and you explain it, it just makes sense to me. So you said, hey, I looked it up. A person from going from zero to marathon, it only takes four months. And there's one in Vegas. Sounds really fun. You want to do it? And it, there was nothing objectionable in that statement that you made. So I just went ahead and said yes. 
And it wasn't until later that I realized I just said yes to a marathon. This is a terrible idea. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you just you just laid it out so clearly and precisely and uh, yeah, eloquently that I said, okay. And I think for me too, um, I just... When no, there people, had to have been something in you that made you want to do it. Maybe, I, I'm, I guess. Uh, you know they, what I mean? Like the invitation was made, mm. what, no matter how clear it was, but there has like normal people would be able to quickly hear that invitation and be like, no, <laughs> like, I don't care how clear and matter of fact you say it. Like, I'm not going to run 26. I'm not going to pay to go run 26 miles. Like, I, so, you know what I'm saying? There's like, there's something in you that like either was like, I want to try, like mm. that wanted to be challenged mm -hmm. or like was intrigued by doing something new or, you know what I mean? Like putting yeah. yourself to the test. Like, you know what I'm saying? There had to be something so, there. I think what it is, is I, I grew up not always being super athletic. My brother was the athletic one and I just kind of stayed home and did art and played with my Legos. So whenever anybody talked to me about physical things, even to this day, when at church we say, hey, let's play like flag football or something. There's that, there, when people, some people talk to me, there's a air of, well, you don't have to if you don't want to kind of voice in the invitation like yeah you don't really look like you could do it so i'll i'll invite you but not anymore <laughs> look at you now i'll invite you but I, I will i expect you to say no but i didn't really sense any of that in you you really I, I think the matter of fact fashion of just hey let's run it i think we can do it it kind of encouraged me and also it was like a challenge for me too mm -hmm. so i said oh okay let's do it yeah. Uh, so I, I didn't have any suspicion in my voice. Yeah, yeah, and I was yeah, like, yeah. well, maybe you could do it. <laughs> yeah. You weren't like, uh, David, I don't think you should say yes to this, but I'm going to be polite and invite you anyways. Uh, you know, yeah. it was like a genuine invitation. That, mm. And uh, it sounded fun. So, yeah. Was it? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I will say this. The marathon itself it was miserable. <laughs> I was limping for like next week straight. Yeah. But it did open up a lot of things in life. Mm. Um, just in terms of striving for things. Like when, when well, I go through, I'm, I'm sure your your listeners would love to hear what are some things <laughs> that you learned or yeah. things that it unlocked in your life. So when I work, uh, my work is uh, running a lot of optimizations programs and stuff like that. Sometimes it takes a long time. It's really tedious to debug a lot of things. But ever since the marathon, I don't really have a sense of I can't do this anymore. Like I just keep going, and and this mental block of. I feel like I had a mental limiter in my head saying you can only do these things mm, up to a certain yeah. point, but that maybe it's not completely gone, but it's the threshold of that has increased dramatically. Um, and this marathon was two years ago, right? So now I'm, I, I've kind of stopped running after that, but I'm, because we're doing the marathon again, the same one in uh, February, I'm training for it again. And this time around, the training is going so much more smoothly. Oh, yeah. It's not because we're physically better. Yeah, it's because yeah. our mental, we're mentally, because we literally, I haven't run since the marathon exactly. two years ago. Yeah, so, like, too. in terms of physically, I'm back at zero. Yeah. But, yeah, I, like, mentally, it's so much easier to train. Yeah, yeah. Right? And it's, I don't know, I just I feel like uh, it does help you overcome a lot of things in life. Just having that tenacity yeah. Yeah, that the marathon training gives you. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And that's probably why I also said yes to you when you said, hey, let's start working out. Because, I mean, how did, why did we do that? <laughs> do you remember? <laughs> how did that come about? Uh, no, it was, it was really because John Yoon 
Mm. I think we were talking about working out. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, hey, like, let's work out. For him, like, you know, he always needs people because he's such a people person. Extrovert. Yeah, he's such an extrovert. So, like, you know, he's he's like, he wants, he can do it, but he just needs to do it with people. Mm. So I was like, all right, I'll move my gym to one that's closer to you. And if I'll just work out, like, I'll, we can work out together. Yeah. I wanted to help him, like, you know, get into shape and whatever. Yeah. And, uh, and then from there, it was just kind of like, hey, who else would want to, you know, we're doing it anyways like yeah. let's see if anyone else wants to join us and yeah. so you're always someone i can <laughs> who always seems to say yes to the things i ask so yeah. he came and you know it was oh, fun okay. it was fun so that's kind of how that happened okay gotcha and john yoon is actually one of those people that he kind of you kind of met through service network right yeah yeah, yeah. He, he's, he used to live in kansas city as a pastor he moved here and he showed up at one of those havens right and now now we're great friends. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. So yeah, the the whole working out thing, that too. I think um, people in the past have asked me to work out, my friends included, and they I can sense a little bit of, but you're you don't really look like you work out much. So if you don't want to, you don't have to. Well, not of. anymore. <laughs> yeah, and so you know, I still go to that same gym. Um, I, I don't go on a regular time anymore. Cause right have a baby now so you usually go at like night like 10 p.m or something but I, I i think part of that marathon thing too um also embedded in me like i don't need to have a perfect situation to do things so right you just do it you just go you just go and do it so right even if it's like yesterday we came back from florida we drove six hours we, we got home at like seven but i said hey i haven't worked out in like four days so i'm just gonna go so i just went yeah 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 see that's that's the marathon training yeah yeah that's that mental you just do it yeah so i mean anything physically i've I've achieved i feel like a lot of it has to do i mean all of it is uh is thanks to you oh yeah well you're welcome (laughs) you're welcome shirley if you're listening so i mean but i did want to talk about that because i want to encourage listeners who don't do things to just say hey like just do it Hey, you not doing anything right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if do there's something, if there's something you want to do, but you're waiting or you feel like you can't do it for whatever reason, take a page out of Joe's book and just go for it. Just do it. Yeah, I think it's like we tell ourselves a narrative mm-hmm. about ourselves, and then we just keep reinforcing that narrative. Like, you know, my whole life, I was just like, I'm not a runner. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, like I can lift, but I'm not like a cardio guy. Like, you know, I, I don't run. I don't mm. run. Like I hate running. I just kept, you know, you say that over and over and then you would start avoiding anything that's like that. Mm. And uh, like, yeah, I, just, I think we just got to get over that and just, just do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think, yeah, for both of us, you as a non-cardio guy ran a marathon. I actually enjoyed running even before the marathon, but lifting weights, working out at the gym was something I hated and something I probably would have never done if not for you guys. So we both overcame something in our narrative, our self-narrative. That what do you, so do you enjoy lifting now? I enjoy going to the gym, sweating it out and have, and feeling like I'm taking care of my body, you know, and, yeah. and just that feeling of accomplishment, getting something done yeah. I think is mentally really helpful. Yeah. I feel like, you know, I mean, when you're younger, it's about like, you want to look good, mm. but then like, you know, as we get older, like. I mean, that's like, that's not the goal. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's about you wanting to have the energy yeah. to be present for your family yeah. and for life. 
you know, like I think my favorite, literally the reason why I started training again for another marathon was like, I remember when I was pretty late into the training for the first one, mm-hmm. like, you know, this is when you're like, you know, close to like 16, 17 mile runs and stuff. Yeah. So you're like, you're, you know, you're pretty like you're up there. And like, I remember like I was running around in the park with my kids mm-hmm. and, um, I remember just, you know, they're just toddle, toddlers, like toddling around and whatever. But I remember just sprinting around, like just the grass and up and down the hill, just picking them up and like literally just bolting around like the park, uh-huh, right? Uh-huh. And uh, not like, like I felt nothing. I yeah. felt, I didn't, I wasn't breathing hard. I wasn't sweating. You know, like, you know, my whole life, like you'd run a little bit, you sprint a little bit and then you're like panting. <laughs> you're out of breath. Your hands are on your knees and you're just kind of like, you need a second or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember at that moment being stunned because I realized like I was literally just sprinting around for fun mm. with my kids and I felt nothing. Wow. Yeah, you felt like your body didn't even feel like your body. You felt like, I don't know, it was a sense of like physical freedom. Yeah. Like this is what it feels like to be able to do whatever you want without feeling tired yeah and it was crazy because i knew that's something i've it was like a kind of physical freedom that i've never felt before Mm. and i was like man that's awesome Mm. like it was such a great feeling and being like man this is what our bodies can do this you know yeah and so i think i really enjoy that that Mm. aspect of it like pushing your body to do things that you never thought was possible yeah and i remember um one of the things you would tell me to motivate me to keep working out early on I remember going to the gym was Shirley was into her second trimester. She was just starting her third trimester. So we had like three months before the baby was to come. And you said, you know, when you had Ezra, I believe, right after the baby's born, they encourage you to do this thing called uh, skin to skin. And sometimes it's usually for the mother and they encourage the fathers to do it too, but it's primarily for the mother. But for your situation, Grace had to be wheeled off for like additional care somewhere else, right? And so the nurses said, dad, take off your shirt and hold your child, right? Yeah. And, you said, <laughs> and that, that, was the, that was the motivating thing, right? It could happen to me. Oh, and yeah, yeah. I didn't want to be this flabby guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You have to be prepared, man, yeah. to rip your shirt off in a room full of strangers yeah. at any moment for, was- for your child. So at, at the hospital that we were at, um, Shirley, you were ready. You were taking your shirt off. And they're like, "Sir, what are you doing?" What are you like, I was. I've been preparing for this moment for months. Let me do this. So they they give uh, like th- I think thirty minutes or an hour for Shirley, and then they tell the father to do it for the same amount of time right after. Yeah. And, but it was really awkward because the nurses are all still there. The doctors are there. Right. People walking in and out of the room, um, but. I will, I will say this. I will say that because I had worked out, I felt a little bit more confident. A little less awkward. <laughs> yeah, That's right. a little less awkward. Almost yeah. excited. <laughs> I'm waiting for this moment. This is my moment. <laughs> I've been training my whole life for this moment. <laughs> yeah, so um, that's kind of all, all the questions um, that I had. Is, is there anything that you wanted to discuss that I missed? Um I don't know. No, no, not really. No, I man, I think we got a lot of good stuff out of this conversation. How long has we been? How long have we been going? Um, this, we're at the hour eighteen mark right wow, now. Wow, that is so long. Yeah, I feel like if I saw the length of this podcast, uh-huh. I would just skip it. No, no, no. So no, no, no. I think uh, people will recognize that this one would have a lot of golden nuggets of 
advice and truth. And okay, should we should we thank our sponsors? Yes, Audible dot com. <laughs> if you uh, uh, if you enjoy books, yeah, but not reading them, Audible dot com. Yeah, yeah, and then. The only thing I have to do with that is get them to pay me. Oh, okay. yeah, right. Well, this is in hopes that they'll pay you. Yeah. And Squarespace. Thank you, Squarespace, for and, sponsoring. Uh, NordVPN. That's right. Okay. Well, so guys, uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, like I said before, with the 1718 retreat, if you are part of a church, a smaller church that you don't do your own winter retreats for, it's coming up. What's the date? Um, it's going to be December 26th through the 28th. Yeah, so right after Christmas until the 28th. If you're interested in joining this awesome group, I, I know all the pastors, really great people. Um, yeah, just really good hyungs. For those of you who don't know, that's older brother in Korean, but yeah, really, really good people. So you don't, you got that from me. You got the, I'll give them my endorsement. So if you're interested, please reach out to me at IHTHT podcast. That's I hope they hear this podcast at gmail.com and send me a message and I will relay the message to Joe, Pastor Joe, oh. so that you can communicate with them have and then set up whatever you guys need to set up. Yeah, and yeah. if you mention the podcast, uh, we'll give you a free pen. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you so much for being here, Joe. Um, uh, yeah, especially for coming all the way from the city. Yeah. And uh, I, I had a great fun. time. Yeah. So well, we'll talk to you guys next time. And uh, yeah. Bye, guys. Bye.